Hello, and welcome to another edition of Maplewood Barn Radio Theater, brought to you with the kind assistance of KBIA. Tonight's story is a bit different from our usual shows, since it is narrated from a dog's perspective. It is called The Mixer, and was written by one of our favorite authors, P.G. Woodhouse. The tale was first published in a 1915 edition of the UK's Strand magazine, and subsequently in Red Book the next year, when the story made its appearance in the U.S., It was included in a collection of miscellaneous stories by Woodhouse in a volume called The Man with Two Left Feet, all of which had appeared earlier in various periodicals. Now Maplewood Barn Radio Theater is pleased to bring you this production of the P.G. Woodhouse story, The Mixer. Looking back, my career as a dog really started when I was bought for half a dollar by the Shy Man. That event marked the end of my puppyhood. The knowledge that I was worth actual cash to somebody filled me with a sense of responsibility. The shy man came to the saloon one afternoon while I was sleeping with Mother and the son on an old sweater that we had borrowed from Fred, one of the barmen. Mother growled, but I paid no attention. Mother is what they call a good watchdog, and she growls at everybody except Master. I was just dozing off again when I heard a voice say, Well, he's ugly enough. Yes, one of the ugliest dogs I have ever seen. It's true. Even Mother used to criticize my appearance. I don't really know what I am. Some kind of bulldog terrier mix, I think. Fred once said I was a gorgonzola cheese hound, and Fred is usually pretty reliable. But he's got a sweet nature. That's true. And lucky for me, right, Mother? Yes. If a dog is to make his way in the world, he must have either good looks or amiability. But you tend to overdo it. But, Mother, I'm a mixer. I can't help it. It's my nature. I like people. All a man has to do is speak to you, and you start wagging, just like now. I couldn't help wagging as the shy man looked at me. He didn't pat me, so I jumped up at him to put him at ease. Get down. Don't make an ass of yourself. Why, well, he's taken quite a fancy to you already. If you just cleaned him up, maybe put a collar on him, he could win ribbons at the Crystal Palace. I had no idea the master admired me so much. Half a dollar, and if he was an angel from on high, you couldn't get another penny out of me. How about it? A thrill went down my spine and out my tail. The man wanted to buy me and take me away. Uh, He's more like a son to me than a dog. It's his face that makes you feel that way. If you had a son, that's just how he would look. Half a dollar is my offer, and I'm in a hurry. All right, but that's giving him away, a valuable dog like that. The man got a bit of rope and tied it round my neck. Be a good dog. Bark whenever someone comes around. Do your family proud. Goodbye, Mother. Goodbye, Master. Goodbye, Fred. Goodbye, everybody. I'm off to see the world. I kept running around circles and shouting till the man gave me a kick. Stop it. So I did. I don't know where we went, but it was a long way. We walked on and on, and the man jerked my rope whenever I wanted to stop and sniff anything, especially other dogs. We walked about a hundred miles, and every now and then we would pass a big house, which looked empty, but I knew there was a caretaker inside because of Fred's father. Rich people owned these houses, and the caretakers kept dogs to run off burglars. Finally, we stopped at a little house in the country. Is this where we live? Are there any of the dogs here? What's for dinner? When are you going to take me for another walk? Stop that yelping. Are you going to be a caretaker at a house? Fred's father is a caretaker. I've heard Fred talk about it. You would like Fred. I like Fred. Mother likes Fred. We all like Fred. Shut up. I was going on to tell him a lot more about Fred when he walloped me. Are you going to be a caretaker? Shut up. So I shut up. At the cottage, a man came out. 
My man seemed to know him, called him Bill. He wasn't shy with Bill. They seemed very friendly. Is that him? Bought him this afternoon. Well, he's ugly enough. But uh, what do you want a dog for? What's wrong with just poisoning the dog, same as always, and walk in and help yourself? I'll tell you what's wrong. To start with, you can't get at the dog to poison him except during the day when they let him out. And if you snuff him during the day, the caretaker gets another before nightfall. I didn't think of that. We best start to train this mud at once. I'd wanted to see the world, and now here it was. Mother used to say, You'll be sorry when you leave. The world isn't all bones and liver. And I found out before long how right she was. It started on my first night at the cottage. I had fallen asleep in the kitchen when someone woke me with a start. It was somebody scratching at the window, trying to get in. Well, what would any dog have done in my place? It is the ABC of dog's education. Mother said, If you are in a room and you hear anyone trying to get in, bark. Even if that person belongs there, bark first and ask questions later. Dogs were made to be heard and not seen. I took a deep breath and let it go. Man, there's a man. Come quick. A burglar is trying to get in. Stupid cur. It's me. It was the man himself. He had come in through the window. He walloped me. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't see where I had done anything wrong, but he was the boss. That same thing happened every night, and every time I would bark my loudest, and the man would wallop me. I thought it out and finally got it right. No doubt it was the man's shyness. Perhaps Mother's view of the thing was too narrow. So the next night, when I heard someone at the window, I lay there without a word. I didn't even growl. Someone came in and moved around in the dark, and I smelt that it was the man, but I didn't ask him a single question, and presently the man came over and gave me a pat. Good dog. Now you can have this saucepan to lick. After that, we got on fine. Whenever I heard anyone at the window, I just kept curled up and took no notice. Every time I got a bone or something good, it was easy once you got the hang of it. About a week after that, the man took me out one morning, and we walked a long way till we turned in at a big house. The man rang a bell, and an old man came out. Well, I thought you might want to buy a good watchdog. Well, that's an odd coincidence. That's exactly what I want to do. My old dog ate something bad this morning, and he's dead. Poor feller. Poor feller. Found an old bone with phosphorus on it, I guess. What do you want for this one? A dollar. Is he a good watchdog? He's a great watchdog. Well, he, he looks fierce enough. So the caretaker gave the man a dollar, and the man went off and left me. The caretaker was a nice old man, and soon there was a sound of a motorbike. Hello? It was dear old friend Fred. I recognized his voice in a second. Well, 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 this is a pleasant surprise. What are you doing here, Fred? Is this caretaker your father? Have you seen any rabbits in the woods? How's mother? I like the country. I'm living here now. Why, it's young Shagnasty. That's what they called me at the saloon. What are you doing here? Where did you get this dog, father? A man sold him to me this morning. Poor old Bob got poisoned. This one ought to be just as good a watchdog. He barks loud enough. He should be. His mother is the best watchdog in New York. This cheese hound used to belong to the boss. Funny him getting down here. He went into the house and had supper. I'm only down for the night because the boss wants me back tomorrow. This is a lonely place. Aren't you scared of burglars? Well, I, I've got my shotgun, and there's the dog. I, I might be scared if it wasn't for him. Dogs are a comfort in the country. Get many tramps here? I've only seen one in two months, and that's the feller who sold me the dog. Did you know him, Fred? You would like him. 
What's he barking at? Think he heard something? <laughs> he wasn't barking. He was talking. You act nervous, Fred. Well, I am. This place gives me the willies. Well, if you feel like that, Fred, you'd better take the gun to bed with you. I will. I'd take ten if you had them. And after that, they went upstairs. I had a basket in the hall, which had belonged to Bob, the dog who got poisoned. I was almost asleep when I heard a scratching noise from the window. Somebody was outside. I would have raised the roof if it hadn't been for what the man had taught me, so I didn't bark. The window opened, and somebody climbed in. I gave a good sniff, and I knew it was the man. Shh! Now, go lie down. I laid down and watched him move around the room, picking things up and putting them in a bag. He was very quick about it, but very quiet. It was obvious that he didn't want Fred or his father to come down and find him. He was terribly shy. It suddenly hit me that here was a chance to do him a favor. Fred was upstairs, and Fred was the easiest man to get along with in the whole world. If I could get them together, the shy man would have a new friend. The trick was how to get Fred down without scaring the man. What I had to do was go to Fred's room, explain the whole situation quietly to him, and ask him to come down. I went to Fred's door and scratched softly. Hello? Shh, don't make a noise. Come on downstairs. I want you to meet a friend of mine. What's the idea, coming and spoiling a man's beauty sleep? Go on. No, honestly, Fred, I'm not fooling. There's a man downstairs. He came in through the window. I want you to meet him. He's very shy, and I think it'll do him good to visit with you. What are you whining about? Fred heard the man and came out carrying something. He started downstairs, very quiet, and I went after him. There was the man, still putting things in his bag. I was just going to introduce Fred when he said, Hey! Darn it, Fred, what'd you do that for? I told you he was shy. Now you scared him. Huh? See, Fred, he jumped out the window. Missed. Fred seemed to have lost his mind. Naturally, the man had been frightened with Fred carrying on that way. I jumped out of the window to see if I could find the man and explain, but he was gone. Fred jumped out after me and nearly squished me. Oof. It's pitch dark out here. Can't see a thing. But I knew the man couldn't have gone far. I soon picked up his trail. Son, what, what's wrong, son? There was a man in the house. Looks like Shag Nasty has his trail. Let's go. I followed the man's scent, and it ended at a large cedar tree. I put my front paws on it and looked up. Hey, hey, are you up there? There's nothing to be scared of. It's only Fred. He's a pal of mine. I believe the dogs treat him, Dad. He's up in that cedar. Yeah, he's up here. Come on and meet him. You up there. Come down. He is up there, but he's very shy. All right. I'm going to start shooting off this gun just for fun. This is great. Here's my friend Fred. You'll like him. In the house. March. But it was no good. They didn't get along at all. The man went into the house and Fred went after him carrying his gun. After a long time, some men came in a motor car and the shy man went away with them. He didn't say goodbye to me. Oh, what a good dog. When he was gone, Fred and his father made a fuss over me. I couldn't understand it. Fred's father gave me some cold liver, my favorite dish, so I stopped worrying. As Mother used to say, Don't worry about things that don't concern you. The only thing you need to think about is food. Eat your bun and don't meddle in other people's affairs. Mother's outlook may have been too narrow about some things, but she was right about food.
It was really nobody's fault. It wasn't the chauffeur's fault, and it wasn't mine. I was chasing a rabbit. He ran across the road. I ran after him, and the car came round the corner and hit me. It just grazed me, but it still knocked me out. When I came to, there was a chauffeur, a small boy, and a nurse. The small boy was well-dressed, and he was crying. Poor doggy. Poor doggy. It wasn't my fault, Master Peter. He ran out into the road before I saw him. That's right. I don't want the man to get in trouble. Oh, he's not dead. He barked. He growled. Come away, Master Peter. He might bite you. I won't come away. I'm going to take him home with me. He's going to be my dog. This sounded promising. Goodness knows I am no snob, but I do like comfort when it comes my way, and he seemed like a nice boy. Master Peter, you can't take him home, a rough, fierce, common dog. What would your mother say? I'm going to take him home. He's my dog, and I will call him Fido. There's always a catch, isn't there? Fido is a name I particularly detest. All dogs do. No doubt there have been respectable dogs called Fido, but to me it's a name like Aubrey or Clement. You may be able to live it down, but you start handicapped. However, I was prepared to yield the point. If you wait, Master Peter, your father will buy you a beautiful, lovely dog. I don't want a beautiful, lovely dog. I want this dog. The slur did not wound me. I have no illusions about my looks. It's no use talking. He means to have the dog. Shove him in and let's get back, or they'll think young master has been kidnapped. So I was carried to the car. We started off and drove for miles and miles until we came to the biggest house I'd ever seen. There was smooth lawns and flower beds and fountains and trees and kennels with about a million dogs in them, all pushing their noses through the bars wanting to know who I was. And then I realized I was moving in high society. The small boy carried me into the house, though I was almost as big as him. He staggered up the steps and flopped me on a carpet in the most beautiful room you ever saw. There was a woman sitting in a chair. What is that? I told Master Peter you would not be pleased, milady, but he insisted on bringing the nasty brute home. He's not a nasty brute, mother. He's my dog and his name's Fido. John ran over him in the car and I brought him home to live with us. I'd love him. But Peter, dear, I don't know what your father will say. He's so particular about his dogs, all prize winners and pedigreed. This is such a mongrel. A nasty, rough, ugly, common dog, milady. What on earth? Darling, it's a dog Peter brought home. He says he wants to keep him. I am going to keep him. I do like a child that knows his mind. I reached up and licked his hand. See? He knows he's my dog. Don't you, Fido? He licked me. But Peter, he looks so fierce. This, unfortunately, is true. I do look fierce. It's rather unfortunate. I'm sure it's not safe. He's my dog and his name's Fido. I'm going to give him a bone. Oh, my dear Helen, ever since Peter was born ten years ago, he's not asked for a single thing that he hasn't gotten. Let's be consistent. I don't approve of this caricature of the dog, but if Peter wants him, I suppose he must have him. Very well, but at the first sight of viciousness, he will be shot. He makes me nervous. So they left it at that and I went off with Peter to get my bone. After lunch, he took me to the kennels to introduce me to the other dogs. There was every kind of dog you could imagine, all prize winners, and every single dog in the place laughed at the sight of me. I never felt so small in my life. We were headed for the stables when a terrier ran out, shouting. He fell and stepped beside me. Hey, you're new here, aren't you? 
What sort of a prize winner are you? <laughs> Not me. Did you think I was one of the nuts in the kennel? My name's Jack, and I belong to one of the grooms. What? You aren't champion bowlegs or anything like that? I'm glad to meet you. Let's sniff on it. So you've been talking to the gentry, have you? Young Master Peter wants me. Oh, you're his latest, are you? Then you're all right, while it lasts. What do you mean, while it lasts? Well, I'll tell you what happened to me. Young Peter took a fancy to me once. Couldn't do enough for me for a while. Then he got tired of me and out I went. You see, the trouble is that while he's a perfectly good kid, he always got everything he ever wanted, and he gets tired of things pretty easy. It was a toy railroad that finished me. When he got that, he forgot all about me. It was lucky for me that Dan, my present master, happened to want a dog to keep down the rats, or goodness knows what might have happened to me. They aren't keen on dogs here unless they've pulled down enough blue ribbons to sink a ship, and mongrels like you and me, uh, no offense, don't last long. I expect the grown-ups didn't cheer when you arrived. They weren't very chummy. Well, take it from me. Your only chance is to make them chummy. If you do some good deed, they might let you stay on, even if Peter tires of you. What sort of good deed? Well, that's for you to figure out. You might want to save Peter from drowning. You don't need a pedigree to do that. But you can't drag the kid to the lake and push him in. That's the trouble. A dog gets so few opportunities. But take it from me. If you don't do something within two weeks to make yourself solid with the adults, you'll get dumped. In two weeks, Peter will have forgotten all about you. It's not his fault. It's the way he's been brought up. His father has all the money in the world, and Peter's the only child. You can't blame him. All I say is, look out for yourself. Well, glad to have met you. Drop in again sometime. I have a bone or two put away. So long. What Jack had said was worrisome. If it hadn't been for that, I would have had a great time, because Peter made quite a fuss over me. He treated me as if I was his only friend, and I guess I was. In all the time that I was at the house, I never met another child. Peter had everything in the world, except someone his own age to play with. He liked talking to me, hour after hour, and I would listen with my tongue hanging out. There is a city of gold and precious stones which you come to if you walk far enough through the woods at the back of the stables. We should go there someday. It's just right for dogs, too, with bones and liver and everything else a dog could want. It would be wonderful. My mouth watered as I listened to him. We were never apart, but I couldn't forget what Jack had told me. And just as I was feeling safe, his father gave him a toy airplane. The day he got it, Peter ignored me completely. Then something went wrong with the airplane the second day, and it wouldn't fly, and I was in solid again. But I had done some hard thinking and knew just where I stood. A new toy might come along at any time, and that would be the end of me, just as Jack had said. You have to do something to impress the adults. Goodness knows I tried, but everything I did turned out wrong. One morning I met a fellow I could have sworn was a burglar. He wasn't one of the family, and he wasn't one of the servants and he was hanging around the house in a suspicious way. I chased him up a tree, and it wasn't till the family came out to breakfast two hours later that I found out he was a guest who had arrived overnight and had come out early to enjoy the morning air. That didn't help me much. Next, I got in trouble with the boss, Peter's father. I saw him out in the park with another man, both playing with a bundle of sticks. Just as I reached him, the boss lifted one of the sticks and hit a small white ball with it. 
I was gratified the boss wanted to play with me. I raced after the ball, picked it up in my mouth, and brought it back to him. He wasn't pleased at all. He said all sorts of things and tried to kick me. And that night, when he thought I was not listening, he said, That dog is a pest, and we will have to get rid of him. Uh-oh. And then I really messed up. Although my intentions were good, it happened one afternoon in the drawing room when there were visitors. Oh, yes. Toto is the sweetest little darling. He has not been himself today, and I am very worried. The only thing he will eat is some white meat chicken chopped up fine. And just then, peeking around the corner out of a chair, I saw a huge rat drinking milk out of a saucer. I didn't hesitate for a second. Here was my chance. If there is one thing women hate, it is a rat. Mother always told me, If you want to succeed in life, please the women. They are the real bosses. By eliminating this rodent, I would earn the gratitude and esteem of Peter's mother. So I sprang. I had chucked him across the room, but was surprised by the yip he let out while airborne. Hey, what was that for? I beg your pardon, sir. I thought you were a rat. Somebody get that poor dog by the collar. Absolutely unprovoked. He just attacked the you. poor little thing. It was no good trying to explain. The creature was a toy dog of one of those rare breeds, a prize winner and champion and so on, and worth his weight in gold. It would have been better to bite the visitor than Toto. That settles it. This dog is not safe. He must be shot. No, Mother. You can't. You, it's, you know. Be quiet, Peter. It is not safe for you to have such a dog. He may be rabid. Toto, of course, wouldn't say a word to defend me. He sat on the visitor's lap, shrieking. Lucky for you, they broke it up. I was about to kill you. The butler had me firmly by the collar. Take him to the stables and tie him up. And tell one of the men to bring his gun and shoot him. He is not safe. A few minutes later, I was tied up in an empty stall. It was all over. It had been a pleasant life while it lasted, but this was the end. I had met well. Good intentions counted for nothing. I had tried hard to please everybody, and this was the result. Tied up in a dark stable waiting to be shot. There were footsteps, and I knew this was it. I shut my eyes, waiting for the end, when someone put their arms around me, and my nose touched a warm cheek. It was not the man with the gun coming to shoot me. It was Peter. He was breathing very hard, and he had been crying. Quiet. He began to untie the rope. You must keep quiet or they will hear us. I'm going to take you into the woods, and we'll walk until we come to the city I told you about that's all gold and diamonds, and we'll live there for the rest of our lives, and no one will be able to hurt us. But you must keep very quiet. Stealthily, we crept from the stables and set out to find the magic city. It was a long way, and we went carefully, keeping to the shadows. After some time, we were in the woods, where nobody could see us. The woods got thicker the further we went, and soon it got dark so dark that I couldn't see anything. We went slower and slower. I think Peter was getting tired. He was a small boy, not strong, and we had walked a long way. And then, suddenly, he sat down without any warning and started crying. I couldn't think of anything to do except put my nose against his cheek and whine. He put his arm around my neck, and after a while, he stopped crying. I'm not frightened. I'm not. I shoved my head closer against his chest. I'm going to pretend we were captured by brigands. There were three of them, great big men with beards, and they crept up behind me and snatched me up and took me up here to their lair. You missed me and tracked me through the woods till you found me. 
Then you sprang out of the bushes and bit each other brigands, and they all ran away. We were left all alone, but I was safe because you were here to look after me, and then... His voice faded away, and the arm that was around my neck went limp, and I knew he was asleep. I wiggled a little closer to make him comfortable as possible, and then went to sleep myself. Something coming through the bushes woke me up. There was a sound of trampling in the undergrowth. My only thought was to protect Peter. I was up with a jump, barking. Peter rolled off me and woke up. I was bristling all over. Peter! Peter, are you there, Peter? Here he is. Who are you? What do you want? Why, it's that dog. Then I saw it was the boss. He looked very anxious and scared, and he scooped Peter up off the ground and hugged him tight. Oh, Father, there were brigands, and they brought me here to their lair, but Fido tracked me and fought out the kidnappers. He saved me. Kidnappers? I thought as much, and the dog drove them away. What a good dog. For the first time in our acquaintance, the boss actually petted me. He's my dog, and he will not be shot. No, he certainly won't, my boy. From now on, he will be an honored guest. He'll wear a gold collar and order whatever he wants for dinner. And now let's be getting home. It's time you were in bed. Mother used to say, If you're a good dog, you will be happy. If you're not, you won't. But it seems to me that in this world, it is all a matter of luck. When I did everything I could to please people, they wanted to shoot me. And when I did nothing except run away, they brought me back and treated me like a most valuable prize winner in the kennels. It was puzzling. But one day, I heard the boss talking to a friend who had come down from the city. What an ugly mongrel. Why on earth do you keep him? I thought you were particular about your dogs. He may be a mongrel, but he can have anything he wants in this house. Did you hear how he saved Peter from being kidnapped? How they caught the child, goodness knows, but they managed it, and the dog tracked them and scared them off. We found him and Peter together in the woods. It was a narrow escape, and we have to thank this animal here for it. What could I say? It was no use trying to correct them, any more than when I had mistaken Toto for a rat. There was nothing that I could do about it. While the boss was speaking, I saw the kennel man coming with a plate of liver for me. I love liver. Yes, if it hadn't been for him, Peter would have been kidnapped and scared half to death. And of course, they would have demanded a ransom, the thieving scoundrels. I am an honest dog and hate to take credit under false pretenses. But liver is liver. I let it go at that. So ends this evening's yarn about the adventures of Shag Nasty, or Fido, whichever you prefer. He seemed like a nice fellow, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to this dog's tale based on the short story The Mixer by P.G. Woodhouse. Our players in this production were Ian Buchanan as the dog, Joe Bogue played the shy man and the chauffeur, Joy Jackson was the mother dog and Helen, Barb Buchanan played the lady and the nurse, Darren Helwich was the boss, caretaker, and Peter's father. Brad Buchanan played Fred, Jack, and the friend. And there was a special appearance by Joe Hayes, playing Peter, Toto, and Bill. The show was engineered by Darren Helwich and adapted for radio by Brad Buchanan. Post-production was performed by Debbie Johnson. 
From all of us here at Maplewood Barn Radio Theater, thank you for listening to this rendition of P.G. Woodhouse's delightful little story, The Mixer. And we hope you will join us again next week for another classic story right here on KBIA. KBIA.